Let's pray, and we'll jump into week one of Church in the Wild. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you're loving and leading each and every one of us. God, we believe that your word is alive and it's active. And God, we believe that we can leave here better than we came. And so God, I ask that by your spirit, you help us to do that as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19 says, See, so it's saying, look, pay attention, look at this. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Now, now, that's a sudden, that's a now thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? That's two times in this passage alone that you've been given this warning of, hey, make sure you're paying attention. See, do you not perceive it? You need to be paying attention. It says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For the sake of this series, can I say it this way? I'm making a way in the wild. We're in the wild. We're living in some pretty wild times. And the scripture is saying, and we know this to be true, even in the hour that we live in right now, hey, open your eyes. Pay attention. There's something to see in this time, in this hour that we're living. You know, it makes a good bumper sticker and it makes a good church slogan of, hey, you were born for such a time as this. But think about this. There was once an assembly line of God's creation and you were on that. And he said, okay, this is the time. And this is the season and this is the hour that I'm going to take this person and I'm going to put them in this time and this planet. Can I tell you something today? You didn't draw the short end of the stick. We're living in a pretty amazing time where God is saying, I've chosen you for here and now, born for such a time as this. And you're living in a time when God is emptying himself. He is pouring himself out in amazing ways. However, are you seeing it? Are you looking for it? Are you perceiving it? Because this passage is teaching us that it's possible for us to miss what God is doing. Can I get an amen? We hear talks of, oh, there's revival happening and there's outpourings happening and God is moving in a new way. And I believe that to be true. We see the timing of the Jesus Revolution movie where this was once a revival that that broke out and churches that still exist today came out of this revolution of this time. And so we see the hour that we're living. You say, wow, this is neat. What are you doing? And, And God, how are you moving? And we've been saying this as a church. We had a night of worship just last week, and it was amazing, and it was really unique, and God did a great job on, uh, on pouring himself out like in a very personal way to people. The text messages I received from people wasn't like, hey, that was good music. It was like, hey, God really did something to me. And, and so we had this amazing time, and God moving this way. But at that night, we said this. We said, listen, we need to be living in a place where, it, where as we see revivals and outpouring and God moving in unique ways, here's the important thing. We don't set out to copy that. Oh, look how that's happening over there. We should do that here. And we, should. we don't set out to copy it, but instead we make sure we put ourselves in a situation to be able to participate and cooperate in it. Yeah. We're not going to copy it. We're not going to be, but we're going to be people who say, God, I see that you're moving in unique ways. How can we cooperate with what you're doing? Yeah. I wrote it down like this. If you seek revival, you'll get performance. If you seek Jesus, you'll get revival. Oh, I want to get over here to this revival so that I can get, oh, I want to get over to this next gathering and this next crusade and this next kind of thing. I want to get to those. No, no. How about we get over here and get to Jesus and let him renew and and, and revive and restore who we are because that's what Jesus does. Uh, I heard a pastor say about what God is doing in this hour. I heard him say this. It's amazing. We're excited about this renewal, the revival that God is doing. 
How amazing is it that all of a sudden college campuses have gone from people being uh, students who live on TikTok hour after hour. Instead, they're living in chapels hour after hour. And it's not celebrity driven. They're not coming to hear the next famous worship leader or the next famous pastor. Instead, they're doing it because they desire God. How amazing is this? This is amazing. This is going on all over the place. And I heard one pastor say something that's so good. We're excited. We're inspired by this. But this, this isn't even it. This is just the beginning. When God talks about in the last days how he's going to empty himself, he's going to pour himself out. So what we're seeing right now is this, as if you're driving in your car and you're looking out and you see the storm is brewing on the horizon and you go, wow, look at that. That's what's coming. But what we're experiencing right now is just the spit on the windshield. What we're seeing right now with what God is doing in our country and throughout the world, just hold on, baby. It's not even begun. It's just the spit on the windshield, and I'm excited for it. Are you with me? But if I were to tell you today, hey, um, I need to have a meeting with you this week. Times are wild. We're doing church in the wild. I need to have a meeting with you um, because I just found out some information about your family. I just found out that you're being targeted. Um, It came to me to find out that your kids, your family, your business, your marriage, um, your mind, your mental health, I just found out that you are targeted. And as a matter of fact, you're targeted by the most lethal uh, enemy that you could ever be targeted by. This enemy's destroyed more homes, destroyed more marriages, destroyed more businesses, destroyed more than anything in all of history. And this enemy has you targeted. You're living in the wild. You would probably, after having that conversation with me, you would probably go home and say, oh man, I'm living in wild times. I need to go home and make sure that I'm securing some things. If I'm being targeted by such an enemy and I have such a threat over my life, I need to make sure that in this wild, I'm doing some things to make sure I'm protecting my family, I'm protecting myself, I'm protecting my marriage. Wouldn't you take it seriously? Well, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I still believe there's a devil. I may be uh, turning 40 and some would consider that young, uh, but I got to wear house slippers now when I walk around the house because my feet get hurting. But I I may be old school preacher who still believes that there's a devil. I still believe that Satan is is not some imaginary figure that just pops up on your shoulder. I believe that he's somebody real and he's on the prowl and he's out to destroy your life. And so when the scripture says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, what's interesting about this is sometimes we get sold this lie of, hey, maybe we can work it out with the enemy. Scripture says that the thief comes only, only. We say, no, if I I can just kind of manage this addiction, if I can just kind of manage this habit in my life, if I can just kind of work out a deal with the enemy, maybe some consequences won't really be that bad. Maybe we can do a 50-50 thing, me and the devil, we can do it. No, he comes with only one thing in mind, to steal, kill, and destroy. And here's, there's categories to this. He says, steal, I want to rob you. I want to leave you in lack. That didn't kill you. I think the enemy's fine if you go throughout life and he, you didn't get killed, but, but you went through your whole life in lack because the enemy had his way in your life. The other thing it says is kill, it take you out. And for some, it's that. But the other one is destroy. I believe that the enemy comes in and he does things in seasons of our life where you look back and you just see that you've been destroyed. You're not killed, you're not taken out, but you've been destroyed. That's the thumbprint. That's the, that's the pattern of the enemy who's after us. But then the scripture gives us this promise. Hey, in that wild, in all of that wild as the enemy is after you, you need to know this. He says that I have come, that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. One translation says that you may have it in abundance. Yeah. 
So in the wild, as you're being pursued by the enemy, guess what you can also have? Life and life to the full. Life to the abundance. Well, how do we do that? How do we walk in that? Well, that's what we're going to discuss in this series is how to do church in the wild. I, uh, Sure, like many of you, you suffered great disappointment this month or this week, probably, when you set out to get some tickets that you wanted and um, you come to find out that it sold out. Uh, tickets for SatanCon 2023, the largest satanic gathering in history, sell out. It's just two strikeouts in a row for me. No Taylor Swift and no SatanCon. Guys, this is in America. The largest satanic gathering ever in American history went to a quick sellout. I believe this is in Boston. A satanic gathering. We're in the wild. I'm here to tell you we're in the wild. I grew up uh, as a teenager about you know 20 years ago, and this is when MTV was a big deal. Everybody who was cool and was in the inn, uh, they watched MTV. And one of the things MTV did, now you gotta remember this is paid, this is cable network. You pay to have access to these channels. MTV, one of the things they did that was a big deal was the Video Music Awards. Uh, music Awards. Let me teach some of you young people something. Do you know that there used to be a day in a time when songwriters and performers, musicians, they used to write their own music, sing their own music, and be able to perform their own music live? It wasn't tracks and beats and lip syncing. And so this was a very artistic, amazing kind of night. And so all the young people, I mean, you'd be crazy if you didn't tune in and watch the MTV Video Music Awards. And so everybody's watching it, and it's creative. And I remember as a young person hearing the words that people were saying after Britney Spears did a performance with a snake around her neck. She came out and performed, had this snake around her neck. And what she was wearing would actually be something, it was controversial then, it would actually be something we'd wish girls would wear at the beach now. It's fallen so far, it's been so crazy. But she came out and she performed with this snake, and that was on paid cable, and it was shocking. Well, now we're so in the wild that this is on free TV, celebrated at the biggest award show of all time, the Grammys, where we say, hey, here's the best of our best. Let's put them on display. And this is we get Sam Smith in a pure satanic worship. I can't even mention that half the things in church, can't even mention half of the things actually happened in that performance. Crazy times. We're living in the wild. Can I get an amen today? We're living in unprecedented times. We're seeing things happening that we never thought we'd see before. We know the end is near because things are taking place that we're like, surely there must be. Okay. You guys know how I feel about cats. And the enemy has sent us a stray cat. And I feel like Paul, you know, I feel like he's the thorn in my side to buffet me. Just kidding, I love that cat. And he only loves me. And people say, oh, what do pastors do when, when it's not Sunday? Because you only work on Sunday. I rock in the chair with my cat all throughout the week. That's what I do. I needed to break it up because we were getting a little intense with the, with the heavy. But here's the reality. We're living in the wild. We are living in pretty wild times. First Peter 5.8 says this, be alert and of sober mind. If I were to take you on a safari and maybe bring you into Africa and, and, and toss you out of the safari truck, I promise you, because you would know that there is an enemy who could be on the prowl, I promise you, you would be walking through that, that desert terrain, what? Sober and alert, watching for someone who might be coming after you. The scripture says that the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
It's interesting that the scripture says that he's, he's looking. He's not just taking anything he can get. He's looking for the open door. He's looking for the one who's weak, the one who's harboring unforgiveness, the one who's holding on and justifying that addiction, the one who's living in isolation and not living in community, and the one who's holding on to some secrets, and, and that's one who's easy to be taken out. He's, he's making a decision. That's why in this wild that we live in, we got to make sure as believers we're people who are strong and solid and living in the way that God's called us to. Amen. That's why verse 9 goes on to say it this way. What do we do? We resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Can I say it this way today? The, the rest of the world, all our other believers, they're what? They're also in the wild. We're in the wild. We're in the wild, but it's okay to be in the wild because God has a plan for the wild. Can I get an amen today? Second Corinthians 10.4 begins to talk about this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. But we see such an epidemic of mental health issues and suicide rates are at all-time highs and we see gun violence and racial issues. We have all of these different kind of things going on. How are we going to make breakthrough? Well, we're not going to do it by our own hands, but we're going to do it in a mighty God who is strong and tearing down strongholds. We can do it in the wild. We can make sure that we see God's kingdom come here on earth because we serve a powerful God. The title of my sermon is Wild Power. I believe God does want to form a church who moves and lives and exists in wild power. That's why 1 Corinthians 4.20 says it this way, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's of power. It's not any kind of worldly words or any kind of intellectual conversations we can have, but it's people are saying, hey, God, we are pulling into that mighty God who is perfect in pulling down strongholds. How do we get these weapons of warfare? How do we tap into this mighty God? How do we see this happen in our lives? Well, I can tell it to you this way. God won't give you something you don't desire. God, I want to see this. Uh, God, I wish this was happening and this was happening. And we sit over here and we're, we're just wishful and hopeful. Or we can be a people who say, God, I desire this in my life and in my community. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says it this way. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, I love the... Uh, sort of mission of this. This isn't like maybe one of those people who come and knock on your door and kind of knock on the door and go like, hey, if it's not bothering you, like I hope I, I don't want to take too much of your time. I don't want to. This passage here would have been a lot more on mission. The, the, the background of how you would move about asking, seeking, and knocking would be a little bit more like the FBI showing up. They're shouting out, hey, hey, person, hey, this thing that I'm desiring, hey, I'm asking while I'm also seeking. So I'm, I'm not only shouting and, and looking, but I got such a desire and such a passion to see this thing that I'm, that I'm asking with passion, but I'm also seeking, but then I'm also knocking. I'm letting somebody know, hey, I'm here and I'm serious about this thing. Uh, there's three senses that we see in place when it comes to this passage. Asking is verbal. We must be a people who get verbal about what we desire of God. The second we see is seeking, which means to seek in their senses is you're somebody with your minds and with the focusing of your heart. If we want to see God move and pour out and we want to see God renew in our communities, we've got to be asking verbal, but we also got to be seeking with focused hearts. 
And then the last part was knocking, which involved physical movement. That's why the Apostle John said it this way. Christians ought not to love in word alone, but in their actions. Taking physical steps, sort of putting our money where our mouth is and proving, hey, God, I have this desire. I have this passion. I want to see you move in the wild and tear down strongholds. But not only am I going to ask, I'm going to seek, but I'm also going to do something in my movement. Can I get an amen today? I'm going old school today. I'm going to read you the King James Version. Not New King James. King James Version. I love how Mark eleven twenty four says this. I tell you, whatsoever things you desire, desire, when you pray, believe that you have received them and they are yours. I tell you, whatsoever things you desire. It's amazing that the word desire has been placed in what we are praying about. It's as if God knows like, hey, there's going to come a season where we're just all going through the Sunday school routine. Well, maybe God, if you're in a good mood, it might be nice if possibly you moved in our community. Or if we said, God, I desire. God, I'm praying with desire. I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. I have passion. I don't want things to stay the way that they are. Desire to see this happen in my life. I wrote it down this way. Many Christians are not living in the victory God created for them because of their lack of desire. They're just not coming in with passion in pursuit and push for what God has for them. I thought about desire. Desire accepts no defeat. Desire, the definition is a consuming passion or an undying drive. I wonder when the world looks at us and they say, oh, yeah, those people over there, I think they're Christians. I wonder if they look at them and say, I think they're Christians because I think they go to that one church over on the thing that does that one event. Or I wonder if the world could look at Christians and say, oh, they're a Christian. You want to know how I know they're a Christian? Because of that just undying drive, that consuming passion that I just see ooze from them for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are you with me today? That's how we survive the wild. I wrote it down like this. Desire many times is the difference between winners and losers. Many times you have two equally talented teams that find the field. And at the end of the game, a coach will say, man, at the end of the day, they just wanted it more than us. They had more passion. They had more desire. Uh, In college football, if you're good enough to make it to the draft, which the draft is how you make your way into the NFL, they put you through this thing called the combine. And uh, it's a way of like training and measuring. And so if you feel like you're going to make it to the NFL, they bring you in for a weekend. They test how high you can jump. They, they test how fast you can run. They test how much you can bench press, do all these different kinds of things. It's called the combine. But many times they'll look at all the measurables of each athlete and a coach will say, yeah, I ended up drafting him. And they'll say, well, why did you draft that guy? He wasn't as tall as the other guy or as fast as the other guy. And he wasn't able to do this like the other guy that was there. But you drafted him anyway. I said, yeah, but the one thing we couldn't measure about this guy was his desire, his passion. He just outpassioned everybody. He just wanted it more. I hope it's said about the church of God that we just want it more in our communities. We just want it more for the next generation. We just want it more for those who are sick and bound and stuck in addiction. How many of you just know that we got to be a people who want it more? Passion is what God is calling us to. I thought about even my life. You know, people say, wow, pastor, you, you know, you, you planted a church and it's doing well in Zealand. And how did you do that? Uh, must be your training. And uh, where did you go to seminary and do that? I don't have an education. Well, it must be just your raw talent. You must be. It's not my talent. That's not talent. Well, it must be the people, you know, they connected everything really well. You must be a great networker and you were able to build this and do this kind of thing. And you just said that your church is growing. It must be that it's none of those things. 
is that as a teenager, in a, in a worshipful moment, God spoke to me and said, I'm calling you to ministry. And he lit a desire on the inside of me. And I've been pursuing and chasing him with that desire for the rest of my life. Amen. And I thought about Cody. Here, here we have Cody and Sierra, just an amazing addition to our church. And, and we found them out in the mountains of Virginia. I was crawling through things and swimming through streams to find them and do an interview. And the only way we heard his music the first time is we had to learn how to read smoke signals. I was like, wow, that's a good song. I think he's good. But what's the difference? I'm so grateful for Cody and his ministry. Why? Because he doesn't get up here and sing us four songs that sound like the radio. Instead, with desire, he says, hey, we're not going to stop until we experience what God has for us. Are you with me? People say all the time. To me this last week, oh, pastor, oh, pastor, man, that night of worship was amazing. It was so good. It was so strong. I could have just been here all night in that night of worship. We have to do another one of those. Are you going to plan another one? I was like, yeah, I actually have another one planned. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do? You have another night of worship planned? Look, you have another night of worship planned. When is it? I said Sunday, 9 a.m., 1045 a.m. You choose. What if we came to Sunday morning with the same passion and desire to say, hey, God, we want to move. And I know it's Sunday and we're supposed to stay in our box. What if we came in and said, God, our desire in this wild is to see you move. That's why the psalmist says the one thing that I have desired, desired is the one thing that I what? Just seek after. Just keep seeking after. I desire it. Therefore, I keep seeking after it. Unfortunately, church has too much become the little bless me club. We have logos and we get merch and we talk about the church that we go to and the groups that we're in. And it's this cute little country club and we keep it all safe. And we say, oh, you know, I, I, I want to see God move in my community. Therefore, I'm going to offer myself to the growth of our community. Uh, and so I'll make myself available to serve two times a year. We're quiet in church today. <laughs> Oh, we want to see God transform our cities and set people free. Why is this service going over an hour? <laughs> I know you do. It's my ultimate cheerleader over here. And so oh, I was talking to a pastor, and I'm not trying to throw shade, but they were asking about our worship night. And this is a quote. I won't quote the pastor. If you pay me enough, I'll, I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> no hallway deal. I'll... I'll He's asking about the night of worship. Well, how did you do that? Did you change this? I said, no, man, we, we had two services in the morning, and then we just went for it at night, and we had the service, and people came back, and he said, wow. He said, for my people, I know that is just too much in a day. Just, we just don't have enough passion for that. We don't have enough desire in our life to make room for two things. Things you don't hear at sporting events. Boy, this tailgate is just going too long. Well, it's just overtime. Oh, overtime, extra innings. Oh, my God. I don't have time in my day for extra innings. You get fired up when God takes it, or Michigan takes it deeper. I don't know. Don't have, we don't have that kind of time in our day, which I just, I don't know how we can fit that, that kind of passion. Tell that to Jesus, who was whipped, his back ripped off his body. Scripture says unrecognizable. They weren't sure if it was a human or a man laying there. But with desire, he stayed on our behalf, going to the cross in Calvary. Amen. Crown of thorns smashed into his head, spit in his face, falsely accused. But because he had desire, he continued on our behalf. Yeah. Carried that cross up Calvary, hung up on that cross where literally limbs are exposed on our behalf. Yeah. Thank God that he had desire and passion. 
We must desire these moves of God. That's why we must just read the word, not to just get it done, but to let it convict us. That's why we must worship in a way that it's not just songs off the wall, but they're declarations that we're speaking out of our mouth as we gather together with brother and sister. We're declaring things into the atmosphere that we're believing for change and freedom in our cities. We're raising our voices to encourage one another. Are you with me? And we give and we pray for the sick and we believe for the miraculous. Why? Because it's a price that Jesus paid that's ultimately worth it. We need desire more than we need to desire the next house and the new car and the next step in our social life. So the scripture says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. What's what's hunger and thirsting? That's somebody with desire. God, I need to hunger and thirst. I'll close with this after you. There's this story of Elisha. Many of you know the story. But of course, we know Elijah is a Hall of Fame Bible character. We know that God is so pleased with his life that he doesn't even suffer unto death. We see that he's taken up in a tornado. And uh, right before he's taken up in this tornado, uh, he looks back at Elisha, his understudy, and he says, hey, Elisha, uh, what, what, would you, what would you desire of me? And God is in this conversation. What would you desire? And Elisha says... I want a double portion of all of the miracles that you've done, Elijah, which is a huge ask. It's like this unbelievable man of God, Elijah, did all these amazing things. And then Elisha says, you know what I want? I want a double portion of all the things. God grants him this. However, at his death, the scripture teaches us that he's one miracle short of the double portion. He dies one miracle short. The headlines would have been double portion guy dies one miracle short of the double portion. But yet what people didn't know is the power of desire. So what would happen oftentimes is they would take someone who has passed away and if they couldn't give them proper burial, they would throw them into a cave. It's sort of a tomb-like atmosphere. They would throw these bodies into the cave. And the scripture says that's what they did with Elijah. They threw him into this cave. Years later, there's a battle. There's a war taking place in this same valley. The scripture says that as some of the soldiers passed away, what they did was same thing quickly instead of a a, a different kind of burial. They took them and they threw the soldiers into the cave. And your Bible teaches us this, that even though it looked dead and done, there was desire on the bones of Elisha. The scripture says that when those dead soldiers hit the bones of God's promise, they came back to life. I don't know what things seem dead to you, that they're never going to come back to life. But God is here to tell you that if you believe with desire for that addiction to be, no, it's dead. This addiction, it's been too long. It's too dead. If it's wrapped up in desire, God can bring it back to life. No, you don't understand. My prodigal has been gone too long. They've been away from the Lord too much. They've made too many mistakes. I'm telling you, if we ask and we seek and we pray with desire, God can make it come back to life. The hardest of hearts, the deadest of things, if, if with desire, I believe God can honor. Are you with me today? Yeah. Things are not dead because of our desire. That's why Jacob said this when he wrestled with an angel. Jacob's saying, I have so much desire that I'm not going to stop wrestling with you, angel, until you bless me. What an amazing example. We know Jesus 
fasted 40 days. He went into the wild, the wilderness, fasted for 40 days, endured all of those temptations and all of those things. And when he came out of his season of desire and passion and going, the scripture said his ministry launched and miracles began. We also know that he was uh, suffering at such a rate that he was sweating, dripping blood before he went to the cross. But yet he says to the heavenly father, hey, if this is your will, I have so much desire to do your will that I'm going to go to the cross anyway. Though I don't want this, I don't feel like this, if there's any other way. But God, if this is your way, I desire your will so much for my life that I'll go. Scripture says about him in Hebrews, it says that in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers, he did it with strong desire and crying or weeping. Jesus was an example of desire. Paul said, uh, I've been hard pressed on every side, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. But he said, but not destroyed. I'm paraphrasing this verse. He said, but not destroyed. What is he saying? He said, I have all these things happening to me. But guess what hasn't been taken from me? My desire to go on and see God move and transform things. The Apostle Paul had a ton of things going against him. If we know about his personal life, we would have read different things like this. Like he wasn't tall. Many people said he wasn't handsome. He wouldn't have been photogenic. He didn't have a great personality. Many people, when describing him, said he looked weak. Some said that his voice was high. He wrote in scripture himself that he was sensitive. Some believe he might have had a hunchback. He had eyes that ran uh, continually. Some, of course, because of the things he endured, he would have had scars all over his body. One thing we know about this is there's always something to hold us back. Paul also said this. He endured 40 stripes of the Jews three times. Three times he also was beaten with rods as a custom that happened to them. We saw that one time he literally suffered a stoning where they brought him in and he was stoned. We also see that twice he was shipwrecked. But when you read about the description of all of these things, he said, none of these things stole my desire. How do we survive in the wild? How do we, how do we go with God? How are we mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds? We've got to ask, seek, knock, pursue with desire. My last thought is this. I'm going to read you a Proverbs here. And this is about working. And this is a proverb about making sure that you're using your life. But I also believe it's about the kingdom of God. Proverbs 28, 19 says this. It says, those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. I hear it from people. I'm going to go back to this in a minute. I hear it from people all the time. Oh, pastor. When I get out of high school, then I'm going to serve the Lord with desire and passion. Oh, just let me finish college. When I get out of college, I'm going to be an impact for the king. Let me, let me start a family. After I start a family, then I'm going to have desire and I'm going to make a difference for the king. Well, hold on. Let me get the kids out of the house. When they're all out of the house, then I'm going to make a difference in the king, kingdom. And, and then they're, they're out of the house. And then people say, oh, you know what? I'm retired now and, and I can't offer anything to the kingdom. And so I need to just kind of live in this retired life until I do all this kind of stuff. They're chasing fantasy. Someday here, someday there, when this happens and this happens, they're just chasing fantasy. So let's read it this way. Thinking about working for the kingdom and co-laboring with God. Those who work their land will have abundant food or harvest. But those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty or can we say lack. If the kingdom, if the church of God is just running around fantasy, we need this next thing and this next thing. It's no wonder that we don't have a harvest. It's no wonder that we don't have influence. It's no wonder that we're not leading in our communities and in the sectors that God's called us to lead in because we're just running around in fantasy land someday and we have lack. 
You get to a position now where you're talking to Christians and times have gotten so hard in the wild. People are saying to me all the time, Pastor, I just want the rapture. I wish he would just take me. And secretly I'm like, amen. (laughs) But the other part of me is like this. No, 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 no. That's not what we want. That's not what we want. There's a great harvest here. You were born for such a time as this. Well, but times are crazy and things look insane and it's so violent and volatile. All this stuff's going on out there. Yeah, be careful because what the enemy is trying to do, the enemy is trying to get you to hate the harvest. The greatest harvest we've ever seen is out there. And the enemy is trying to get you to hate and despise it and speak out again. Are you with me? Many are awaiting the rapture while creation is waiting on the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. People of passion and desire who in the wild are saying, no, we got a God. And in this mighty God, we can allow him to use us to tear down strongholds, restore broken marriages, help the addicts overcome, lead the next generation in truth and righteousness. Are you with me today? That's part one of the series. (laughs) I hope that you stick with us because God is moving. And it's not that we're copying anything, but we got to position our lives to cooperate with it. Amen? Amen. So we're asking the Lord, God, how, how, what desires in me need to increase hunger and thirst so that we can be filled? You with me? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today, the way that you're loving and leading us. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, let us not be a people who just hear it and move on and say, well, that's nice or that was different. God, we want to hear these truths and say, God, change us, convict us, mold us into who you've called us to be. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.